From Relay FM, it's Download, recorded Thursday, November 1st, 2018. This is episode 78 Great for Robots, Bad for People. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snell, and I am joined by two wonderful guests, senior cloud dev advocate at Microsoft, and most importantly, co-host of Rocket on Relay FM, Christina Warren. Hello. Hello. I prioritize your Relay FM podcast over your actual job. Just No, I mean, as one should. That yes. is obviously the most important part about, clearly. Uh, about me. Yes. Clearly, clearly. And, <laughs> and somebody who I saw a couple of days ago in Brooklyn at the Apple event that we're going to be talking about today, and I, I got to ask her in person if she would be on this episode, Carolina <laughs> Milanese from Creative Strategies. Hello, welcome back. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And my favorite moment of the week really was introducing you to Federico Vitici so that you could just both speak to each other in Italian while I stood by helplessly. So that was great, too. I'm jealous. I really appreciated that because I we missed each other at WWDC because just he was so busy. So I was very grateful. It's, it was it was a lot of fun. Now, of course, Stephen Hackett is here as well, who produces Download every single week um, and probably has some things to say about what Apple announced this week, too. I think. Stephen, you have opinions? No, any? It's no? only... Every half decade, you get to talk about a new Mac Mini. I've been saving it up. Oh, man. Oh, can you imagine? The hosts of the Mac uh, Mini-focused podcast have to be so excited right now. Uh, They've been doing, they've done like 400 episodes without anything to talk about, and they finally have one that they can. Anyway, let's dive in. We're going to start with iPads, the new iPad Pro uh, announced in two different sizes. There's an 11-inch along with the 12.9. The the home buttons have gone away. The bezels have shrunk. It's got Face ID. They've got powerful A12X processors. There's a different keyboard case. There's a USB-C port instead of the old Lightning port. Lots of things that make these things feel much more like computers. They're as powerful as I think the, the more than 90% of the laptops sold in the last year. Uh, Apple definitely has turned the corner in terms of... The, they use the word, despite that ad that was, what's a computer? Their uh, iPad Pro pages for this new model uh, use the word computer and awful lot so they seem to have turned the corner there so new ipad pros uh worth a a moment of reflection as well i think about sort of like what is the ipad and where is it going uh with these new models so uh what what are everybody's first impressions of of the ipad pro what what uh what struck you most about it carolina you were you were there with me watching this whole thing you got your hands on them what do you think i i was um I didn't get to hear the story that I wanted them to tell me, uh, but I think that the the devices kind of speak for themselves and maybe that's the best way to do it so that, you know, you can call it whatever the hell you want, but, you know, as long as it does fit your workflow, that is what you buy. And, and I think, to me, the iPad has grown from where it started that was being close to the iPhone and being, you know, bigger, but basically letting you do the same thing that you did on on the iPhone. And for a lot of people, it was more about creation a little bit, but really more about entertainment at the very beginning um, to now being way more than that and being a computer for people that have certain workflows and being a computer without being a computer. And I think I said yesterday, 
uh, in response to uh, something that um, Steve Sinoski wrote on Twitter that, you know, I'm glad I'm not in the business of putting things into buckets like I used to do when I was a gardener, where I was forecasting and, and doing market share work. Because a lot of times I think you get so into you know, what is this thing and what has been for the last 20 years. So you're thinking about legacy and you're thinking about where that device that looks in a certain way fit versus looking at how people use it and therefore what it competes against. And there's no question that for me, the new iPads, you know, when it comes to the next computing purchase will compete with a Mac or a PC and it will depend on, you know, what the people actually want to do with it and how they spend their money. So I think that they, we really have transitioned a long way uh, from where we started to really be uh, doing more for their users. And I'm excited to try the 12.9 the in particular and see if it can uh, completely replace my um, my MacBook uh, and also get me away from having to carry um, my Surface when I travel with an iPad. Yeah, I um I really liked uh, Carolina's uh, article yesterday. Um, uh, kind of uh, uh, you know summing up um her thoughts and and obviously. I haven't seen this in person, so I'm at a disadvantage on, on the pod right now. I will get mine next week. I'm really excited about the new iPad Pro. I think that it's a really good redesign, um, but I do agree that it is sort of interesting how this is being positioned, or rather how it's maybe not being no. positioned, <laughs> um, I, I, th I think is more accurate because, as, as Carolina said, um, you know, Apple didn't really tell the story uh, I, I agree 100%. I, I kind of wish they told the story more about why you're going to use one and not another. Um, they're just, they're, they're trying to, uh, I think, make the argument that it's a computer and you can choose whatever form factor you want. Unfortunately, although I think that can be true for large swaths of people, I don't think we're at that point yet where that can be interchangeable and, and it's really going to depend on the person and the circumstance and what you do to see if you could really use it as a drop in replacement if say you're already using a Surface or a MacBook. Um, that said, I think that, you know, uh, I, and I even mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, you know, I think that it, it all comes down to what we know, right? Like I know that for myself, I'm not one of those people like, like, like you, Jason, or like Federico, where like I could replace my Mac with an iPad. I, 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 I could do enough work, you know, to probably get 90% of the way there, but you know, it just, the, the, the level of hoops I'd have to jump through wouldn't be worth the effort. It just, it just wouldn't be worth it. I'm, I'm too much of a, I'm, I'm too kind of ingrained in my ways. But if I were someone who didn't have, you know, that whole lifetime of experience using, you know, the traditional desktop paradigm, it would be different. And I, I wouldn't necessarily know what I was missing that I could probably be as productive. So, you know, I, I think that, that in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's almost like Apple's trying to have it both ways. And we'll, we're going to be talking about the, the MacBook Air later, but I feel like they, they want to be able to ha make the argument that, okay, the future of computing we're recognizing is this. And so we have this, this product. Um, but we're still trying to sell the, the current, uh, way of computing. And, and, uh, I, I think that the confusing part for end users is where do those things intersect? Where are you on that mm -hmm. Venn diagram? And, and, and which one of these things is ultimately for you, especially since they're, you know, the, 
as Tim, this is Tim Cook's Apple, everything is more expensive. And um, these are these are expensive devices. This is certainly one of those things where once you get the keyboard and the Apple Pencil and other stuff involved, you're you're spending as much, if not more, uh, than you would on on a on a Mac laptop. So um, you know you 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 want it uh, to last a long time to do what you need it to do. But I mean, I, I ordered one. I'm getting the 11 inch. I'm having slight FOMO on that, but uh, we'll we'll see if it's too small when I when I get it. Um, and if I look at the 12.9 in person, then I'll return it. But um, I, for for now, I'm going to stick with the smaller form factor. I want to say that at the last iPad Pro rollout for the second generation, I think that was it. There was an event where Apple had an iPad mention and they didn't really talk about the Mac. Whereas I, I, I agree with you this time, I felt like, you know, some of that story they might not want to talk about because it kind of confuses with the other part of the thing where Tim Cook said, we love the Mac, it's great. And then they're like, we are replacing it with this thing, which is not what they're doing there. They've kind of got them separated, but it is a weird, uh, it's a weird place for them to be in where they've got, they're perceived as being kind of beyond the cutting edge in terms of how far they can push tablets. And they're also perceived as being uh, a, maybe a little bit lost when it comes to their laptops. And that's um, a strange place to be. Uh, lots of conversation about the idea that there are probably a bunch of features that were focused on iPads that were supposed to be in iOS 12 that got pushed to next year's iOS release. And so, therefore, this is a story about amazing hardware. And then you look at the software and you're like, hmm, the software is kind of holding back. Like, the, the hardware is not the issue. It's the, it's the software there. Stephen, um, what, what, I know you're, a, a, uh, you're more of a Mac guy than an iOS guy, but you have any thoughts about the the iPad Pro? I think you really summed up my frustration well. For years, the iPad hardware has been incredible. It's faster and faster. It's leaving Intel machines uh, in the dust, which is a, a topic for another day, I think. <laughs> but it's the hardware is incredible, and it's it just feels so handcuffed by the software. So something yes. like USB C, like Apple didn't really give us a ton of good reason for putting USB C on the side of this thing. Like yes, it can charge faster and you can charge your iPhone from it, plug into a display. You could do almost all of those things with Lightning. But what you can't do with USB-C on an iPad is what you do with USB-C on a MacBook or a Surface. Yep. You can plug in a drive. You can plug in an SD card. You can deal with files. And the iPad just feels like it's so oblivious to the world around it. You can it print from a corporate to- printer. Yay! <laughs> I'm sorry, but that that is a real problem. You can shoot like, uh, photos tethered, which uh, every uh, the Verge does that with a with a Surface, and I always say like I can use my iPad Pro, but they can't use their iPad Pro for that part of it because it won't do it won't do tethered shooting from cameras. It won't do uh, it won't, you can't plug in a USB uh, hard drive and look in the Files app, which is the most logical thing possible. They have a file browser; it you just doesn't see it if you plug it in. No, it, it doesn't want to. Um, you. Can't can I mean you can't do tethered shooting the traditional way if you use something like a Sling Studio. So you have to use an intermediary device. You can do some some tethered shooting of, sor- of sorts. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, God, you're so right, Stephen. I, I don't I don't want to you know uh, divert the conversation. But I feel like yeah, the software is the holdup at this point. It is it's not the hardware. But it's fascinating though because if you look at some of the apps, so if you look at the ecosystem versus versus what Apple is doing, um, you know, some of the apps actually have helped a lot making the iPad more useful uh, and creating new workflows versus, you know, the way that you used to do things before. And and to me, aside from iOS itself, one thing that always 
I, I kind of always sat and scratched my head was the whole iWork suite and why, you know, I could do things with Office on my iPad way better and way sooner that I yes. could do, you know, with with yeah. iWork. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of fascinating this, this I, and I mentioned it in my article comparing it to Surface, you know, I love the hardware on Surface. Um, and, you know, every time I have a meeting and I walk in with my iPad, there is that like, oh, God, still she's hanging on to that, <laughs> uh, you know, moment. Um, but there is nothing to do with the hardware. Is no. you know, what I'm missing on the Surface are some of the apps that I love to use on, on iPad. Uh, on a tablet, I, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting that, that both these devices that in my mind you know, Surface Pro and iPad Pro are the two best devices that you have in, in, in this category. Um, you know, call it computer, call it two in one, call it high record, whatever you want. But that's, this is it for me. Uh, but they have these limitations that um, are almost, you know, if you mash them together, you would get the perfect device. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, ha- I had that frustration with the Surface Go, which I love. I think the Surface Go is actually an incredible device. Um, and I, and my, my, my kind of TLDR review on that was it's like as a mini laptop, I think it's brilliant. As an iPad replacement, like as you're using it for the things you traditionally would use an iPad for, it, it's not as good. Um, and, and, and I think the iPad and iPad Pro is, it's kind of the, the inverse of that. Whereas dock to a keyboard and to try to use it in more of traditional computing tasks because of the software and because of some of the limitations because of the software of, of, of the ecosystem, even though it's got some great apps, I don't think it's as good. Um, but then you have this whole other, you know, world of capabilities of all these, you know, touch first, tablet first. Um, things that, that just don't exist anywhere else. It's like, can can we have both, please? But yeah, but that's, that's that we're not we're not there in an era where um, you know Apple got on stage. Apple gave two employees from Adobe, yep, uh, just like a lot of stage time to do yep. a demo. It was like a little Adobe presentation within uh, the presentation. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the point, by the way, where there were five layers of parentheses down, where literally they had handed it all the way down five, and then they had to come back up at the end and pop the stack. It was hilarious. I, I was counting. I was like, well, Tim's hand- handing it to this guy who hands to this person who hands it to this Adobe person who hands this to this Adobe demo. Or Anyway, a lot of Adobe time for Photoshop. It's a big deal. It, it It's not just a big deal because so many... Um, businesses, industries, professionals rely on the Adobe workflow and they can't just use Affinity Photo even though it's great. No. They need Photoshop because everything right. is based on Photoshop. That's that's great, but it's also the the symbolism of it, right? Which is yes. like that you won't take us seriously until we're running the real Photoshop. Well, here we are. We are a real computer. We're running the real fo- Photoshop. That's great. And yet I keep thinking to myself, Final Cut is not on the iPad. Logic, yep, logic is not on the yeah. iPad. And as you pointed out, the iWork apps are kind of laggards compared to what other companies like Microsoft are doing on Apple's own platform. And that yeah. goes back to like beyond iOS. Like there are all these questions of like Apple's software it just can't like they are killing it on the hardware side with the iPad Pro and then the software is like you know there are other people who are doing a better job with iPad software than Apple it's it's a really frustrating um, moment and maybe they know it and they've work they're working on it but the fact is today it doesn't matter what iOS 13 might have they're shipping these things now right I, I I almost wonder if part of the reason you see this disconnect is you know Office 
and 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 look, I'm not saying this as a Microsoft employee. I'm saying this just as fact. Office on iPad is better than the iWork suite on iPad. Oh, absolutely, um, it it, 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 I, I might argue it's better than Office on the Mac. <laughs> but um, yes. I mean, it's it, <laughs> for what it's you want it, well, well, it's the same team, and it is the same code base. Actually, they worked for more than a decade to get all of Office on the same code base. I mean, obviously, it's different. You know, cut. You know, uh, native stuff for each thing, but it's it's all one shared code base now across all the apps. So it's which is incredible in and of itself, but. Um, which also I think is is different and probably better than than what the iOS, uh, uh, Mac OS, iWork situation is. But part of the reason I think it's better, a you know you have people who've who've you know been focused on on doing this stuff for for longer. But b like one makes money and is a real profit center, and there's an incentive to make it better. Whereas I I almost wonder you know when Apple started making all their software free, um and 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 less expensive if that in some ways de-incentivizes whether it's intentional or not you know the focus on improving some of those things because when they used to charge even like 120 dollars for 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 iLife or for iWork or whatever you know there was you know some money was coming in from that now it's 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 free and it's and it's it's given out and so i almost wonder like What's the incentive if you're Apple to continue to push that forward? Whereas if you're a third party, you're making money off of this. I hate to say it, but it feels like to me the reason iWork existed in the beginning was just to justify the iPad as a place where you could get work and it needed to be there. Sort of like how iWork on the Mac allows you to say, you don't, you know, we don't rely on Office on this platform. There are other tools. But at this point, you know, Microsoft's playing their game and doing it better. And yet iWork has to still exist and you end up in this weird in-between space. Anyway, Carolina, you were going to say? I was going to say, I agree with both, but I think that Apple, if that's how they're thinking, they're being short-sighted because mm-hmm. if you look at what Office is now doing, and I don't want to t- turn into a conversation about Office, but the the reason why you want to now use Office on a PC instead of a Mac is not because of the little things that you can do the same way, but it's because of AI. And so the kind of features that now they are keeping to a PC are all, you know, the smart editor and the PowerPoint um, design that you can do. You can't do that on a Mac. So from an Apple perspective, the investment should be in actually having more of my time using their platform and knowing me better and doing more and, Mm. you know, all those things that... Google is trying to do for different reasons, right? Google does it so they can sell me more stuff and advertise and all of that. But, you know, they all doing it. And why is Apple just giving up and just letting Office do that for, you know, on their platform? That I think is the part I don't quite understand. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird situation. We talk so much about Apple's great strength being the synergy between their hardware design and their software design and this is one of those areas where um, what you know, what I want to say is that they are probably working on some very difficult things. We saw some suggestions of that with what they're going to be doing, bringing iOS apps to the Mac next year. There's probably a bunch of stuff going on in the mm-hmm. background that they're they, they're like working for a goal that's going to take five years, and in the meantime, we just sort of hit, sit here being frustrated. But 
uh, part of me, the, you know, looks at what's happened the last few years and has thought that they've either, you know, they had to change direction between what they thought would happen and what turned out to happen, yeah. or that they have also gotten distracted by the iPhone and they uh, have prioritized iPhone feature improvements, which I get why they do that. But the, the iPad has suffered and it's only been in the last couple of years where they've gone back to having some iPad releases. And even then it's not every year that they add iPad features, which is a super frustrating thing. So I'm sure they've got a big picture plan for where they want to be in 2025, but it's not, it's 2018. So <laughs> I do think is a much harder transition though, um, mm. you know, to get people on the iPad pro um, as a, as a only, you know, PC um, computing kind of device, because it's not just about the hardware, right? It is right. about the hardware, the software, the application, the ecosystem. And so you you have all these pieces together. And to me, that's why, as we were saying earlier, why the Mac is still there, because we, we're not all ready to go there. But I find fascinating this discussion that, Christina, you were involved in that on, that, on Twitter yesterday, where it becomes, for me, the iPad Pro is that device where, look, it's not it. Is me, you know, kind of situation is really, it's not like the, the, the iPad Pro is wrong. It just doesn't fit me. And that's okay. Right. But right. people become really sensitive about it as if the fact that almost that their workflow doesn't fit the iPad or the other way around is a shortcoming of themselves, right? Yes. You don't have to justify yourself for not wanting to use an iPad Pro. No, no, you're dead on. And I, I, I think the part of that, though, is it, it goes back to kind of your initial point, which was telling the story and, and how, you know, how Apple is telling the story. I think that a lot of, um, you know, Apple users and people who would consider themselves fans have become so accustomed to the story being told, which is this is a better way of doing computing. This is a better way of kind of getting things done, whatever, that when the story isn't told or when it's being told in a way that doesn't make sense, the initial, you know, maybe instinct weirdly is to like self blame, which is so dumb. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like no one should have to justify like why this doesn't work for, for them or for, or for their, for their workflows. Um, there are plenty of people that I think, like I said at the start, that I think large swaths of people that'll be great for. Um, but it, 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 it is this, and for Apple, it's this weird balancing line where they have to, you know, um, loudly proclaim, we love the Mac, we love the Mac, we love the Mac. Um, when, uh, we all kind of see what's coming in, in, in the distance, you know, which is ultimately the replacement for the Mac. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a weird situation and, uh, it, it's gonna, it's gonna continue. Like <laughs> I, I had that moment where I'm like, yeah, we get it. You are amazing at making these things. <laughs> like we, we, everybody agrees, but where's the other piece of it? And then, you know, any hopes of like new software pieces, uh, this week we're also, you know, dash, there aren't secret new software pieces that Apple is releasing with this that make it totally, totally better. That's going to be a 2019 thing, which means that if you want to buy one of these things now, you have to don't ever assume that everything's going to get solved with a software update. You have to buy it based on what it can do now. And the iPad is great, but it's got lots of limitations that that are not in the speed of the processor that make it um, difficult or impossible for some tasks that 
are what some people need a computer for. So if you're if you're somebody like me, you can work around some of them and you can and you can travel. And I only travel with an iPad, even though I use an iMac uh, every day at my desk. And but you know not everybody can do that. And so I guess we'll see we'll see where they go next. But uh, it's very clear that software is the issue with the iPad at this point, and it's not it's not third party software. It's Apple software. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. A lot of Mac stuff as well. What about the Mac? We will talk about it. But first, let me take a break and tell you about our first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace, which lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. No matter what you want to create on the internet, an online store, a portfolio, a blog, get your thoughts out there, sell stuff on the internet, whatever. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. That means you can do whatever you want on the internet. And it means you have nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. There is complex, super smart software and services and a server network working behind the scenes. But you don't have to worry about any of that. You just use Squarespace. And Squarespace takes care of you. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. They let you use their beautiful templates so you don't have to be a web designer or hire a web designer. You can use their web designer's beautiful templates to show off whatever that thing is that you want to do on the internet. And if you run into any trouble, they have beautiful, smart, friendly, award-winning, 24-7 customer support staff to help you if you do run into any trouble at all. And the plans started just $12 a month. I remember when it cost a fortune to set up your own website on the internet. It's not true anymore. Squarespace lets you do it all for $12 a month with the peace of mind, knowing you don't have to maintain a server and keep it up and keep it patched and keep it away from hackers. You just uh, use Squarespace. And you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash download FM. Now, when you decide to sign up, use this offer code download FM. You get something 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and we get something squarespace knows you came from download so squarespace.com slash download fm use the code download fm you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase thank you to squarespace for supporting download squarespace make your next move make your next website okay topic number two is let's how about the macbook air the macbook air um you know i i there was a moment when tim cook said you know let me tell you about how much people love the macbook air and i was waiting for the coffin of the macbook air to come out of the floor i was like but we're killing the macbook air and replacing it with something new nope nope the macbook air will not die it was in it was looking really not very healthy for a while there and yet it has gotten a new lease on life uh, in in a uh, something that only the insiders will know for sure, but sure looks like they made a change in direction a couple <laughs> yep. years ago and decided yep. that they couldn't kill the MacBook Air. It's back with a retina screen. I I I did get to hold one of these in my hand. Uh, first off, in gold, it's super weird, mm-hmm. but it's cool. Um, but like, it's a MacBook Air. Anybody who's used an Air, like I have for, you know, I've had every Air model basically. It's got the little curved back. It's got the four little feet. It is the the hinge. Like it's a MacBook Air, just a little bit smaller and with a retina screen instead of the the big uh, bezels around the around the non-retina screen that it used to have but now this means that we have a macbook air for uh what for 11.99 we've got a macbook pro without touch bar and a macbook for 12.99 and then there's the macbook pro with touch bar 13 inch and 15 inch Uh, a moment where apple is poised to kind of clarify what it's doing with laptops instead it's just even weirder than it was before so yay to the new macbook air although boo to the fact that they still have 
cannot make a retina uh, display that they're willing to sell for uh, less than a thousand. That that did not happen either, which was something that people were speculating about. So um, let's start with Stephen on this one because I know Stephen loves the Mac so much. Um, MacBook Air, what the heck? <laughs> I, I think you're totally right. It seems like they were going down a path and then for whatever reason, uh, change path. My guess is that the they realized that the MacBook, the single port 12-inch one, just didn't meet the needs of the, the broader audience. And for whatever reason, the two-port MacBook Pro couldn't come down in price or you know whatever happened there. So we have this new in-betweening machine. Uh, I think there's a lot left to discover about this computer. There are reports about the CPU. My guess is that's not going to be as big of a deal as people are, are claiming it will be. We haven't seen a lot of benchmarks yet, so I'm trying to reserve judgment to see how this thing will perform. But it's just it's so interesting to me that Apple did all of this and didn't fix the overall like structural problem with the lineup. That's the biggest story to me here. I'm glad this machine is here. I think it will be uh, a popular machine as long as that CPU isn't a dumpster fire. I think it's, you know, I think it can, even though like it is a MacBook Air, but it's not a MacBook Air, like it's not as as uh, flexible as the MacBook Air was either in performance or just in like IO. So you got, you still have to be in dongle town, but I, I think this thing will be successful. I think people will, they have, a, you know, a MacBook Air from 2009. It's time to buy a new one. I'm like, oh, I'll just get a new one. Like, I think, I think it will be successful from that angle, but I, I mean, I just, I wish Apple had, had unmuddied the waters instead of making it worse yeah as somebody who always got the build to order i7 macbook air this has one processor and it's a low-end processor and yeah. basically what apple is saying if you want something with more power you really need to get the, get the macbook pro. pro yeah 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 i do think that they made from a price perspective um they made a choice not to make this feel like the cheap mac uh, i think you know over the years because we haven't had an update for so long that the prices come down on on a little bit not as much as another product from another manufacturer would have done because with apple you never see those kind of price uh, decreases but the price had come down so that if you wanted to get a mac that was what you were buying but based on price not based on what you were using it for or you know the mobility now i think I agree with Steve that they're counting on an upgrade cycle. uh, And so, you know, just that is going to justify making this product, right? All the people that have old ones upgrading uh, or coming to it and looking at it and then decide to actually go for a pro instead. You know, I don't think that mobility is as much of a selling point as it was when it first came out. I think the name that a lot of people were questioning why they kept the name is just there because... To make it easier for people to go and say upgrade, you add an air, buy an air. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Um, but I also think that, you know, going back to somewhat the conversation we were having about Apple not telling you what you should buy, it's what they do. You know, buy whatever you want as long as you buy one of ours. Uh, and so, you know, muddling the waters and getting people into the stores to figure out what is it, what it is that, that fits them. Um, usually doesn't work badly for them. Christina, what do you think about the air returning? Um, I, I think that you are right. I, I feel the same way you do. I feel like when the MacBook came out three years ago, that was 
the de- the direction that that Apple anticipated, certainly the direction that I I personally anticipated that that was going to be kind of the future of of of, of ultrabook portables, super portables, whatnot, and that it was the natural heir apparent to 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 the MacBook Air, and and I kind of expected that, but at this point we would see one that would have you know, um, Thunderbolt three and, and maybe more ports and more power. Um, and, and that was maybe the direction things were going to go in and then maybe the price would naturally, you know, come down kind of the way that the air did. And then that hasn't happened. And so I have to wonder if the, the MacBook hasn't sold maybe the way they thought it would because of, you know, some of the limitations real or perceived. But I think the bigger thing here is that the, the MacBook pro refresh didn't go the way that, um, uh, it needed to go. And, and so you have that escape, you know, as Marco, you know, dubbed it and as it's kind of been known, which was overpriced when it came out, like way too Mm -hmm. expensive for what it was. Um, they've since lowered the price and that's better, but that's almost like too little too late. You know what I mean? And then you have the touch bar devices that are very powerful, but get you into a completely different sphere of, of, um, of, of, you know, spending money um, than you used to have when you would come into an air. And so I agree with Carolina in that, like, they don't want to position this as like, this is the cheap MacBook, but the air actually became the replacement for what the MacBook was. If you recall, like in 20, mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, when they made that shift, when they redesigned it, like it became kind of the everyman computer. Absolutely. And this is the one that right. everybody could buy. Apple has not had that device in their lineup, at least with a with competitive, you know, specs yeah, and, and we yeah. can, uh, they, they have, we, it's the 999 non retina MacBook Air. Right, that's, that's the problem. We, but, but they <laughs> haven't had one that matches retina and that matches USB C Thunderbolt 3 that matches modern processors. That, that's been a gaping hole in probably four years. So I feel like that's what this is. And so that's mm-hmm. exciting that they have it. I do question, I mean, I kind of agree with Carolina in that, like, they just wanted to get you in the store and, and buy whatever product you want from us. I, I do feel like at this point, the the lineup, especially with the pricing, because that's where a lot of people are going to look and because there isn't a big story and differentiation, I don't know why they're still selling the Escape. I feel like you just need to transition that product out because even if the processor is better, I don't think that the low power, the, the, the Y processor versus the U, I don't think that's going to be so much of a big deal. I feel like you know, um, uh, you're know you still getting the, 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 the two I.O. ports. Um, I, I don't know why that product still exists. Um, and, and I also, I do have like, they changed the colorway on the 12 inch MacBook, um, but they didn't update the processor. Right. So that's what, so that's one of those things where I'm like, why does this still exist? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing here? But, but I feel like I have some qualms on the pricing. Um, I, 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 I'm not opposed to them, uh, keeping it upmarket, I do wish if they were going to be saying this is where we start our price at, that they might, you know, do more than 128 gig SSD or, you know, consider a a, a different um a processor. But uh, but those are all minor quibbles. I don't think that's going to matter in day-to-day usage. Um, but it, I'm confused as to why the escape exists and I'm confused as to what's going to happen to the 12 inch MacBook. And I think that, that it's harder to understand the pricing and the specs when you compare it to the rest, the rest of the lineup versus, you know, what they did on yes. stage was a lot of comparison with, you know, the, the, the air, the old air. And I was like, well, yeah. okay. Which was updated in 2014, you know, like the last big, like hardware update, like they made right. minor things. So but it was a 2014 processor. So of course it's going to be. 
you know, better. Better. Yeah, exactly. The edge-to-edge display was the one that's like, hold on a second, it's really not edge-to-edge. No. What do you mean by edge-to-edge? <laughs> it's like, that is the same as, as on the Pro? Yes. And I was like, okay, well, so it's smaller bezel than what you had on the old. I would expect that to be the case. Yeah, and a single piece of glass instead of having the metal frame. And Yeah. Right. Right. So, but I think the other part that uh, I wonder if, you know, the the escape, as you call it, um, if that would upgrading that to, you know, adding the ports and whatever, uh, would that confuse then the decision not between the Max, but between that and the iPad Pro? You know, if yeah. they think that that ultra portable experience should be an iPad Pro, then they're not going to make it any easier for you to actually not go there and go on a Mac, right? It's it's a it is a weird thing. I I like uh, Christina, you pointing out that the other products didn't get an update, so they're largely you know untouched. It is. I think we could all probably agree that in, in hindsight, Apple would probably have just released this product instead of the MacBook, <laughs> but yeah, because right. that's what everybody expected was just a new MacBook Air. It's interesting that they chose to call that the MacBook. And not the MacBook Air, because that would have led to a whole thing, too, about like, well, it's like the MacBook Air. I don't know. It is. It's. a. It, they, yeah, I just I really expected there to be clarity, more clarity. I thought this was their opportunity to make everything clear in the laptop line. And instead, we've still got products that haven't been updated. And then we've got things that kind of overlap. And uh, other than the fact that the, the MacBook is super thin and light and nice. And my daughter's got one and she loves it. And it's great. The Air is is, you know, is closer to the 13 inch macbook pro without touch bar the escape but it's not quite and we it's just it's just kind of a muddle it's 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 great that there are more options and it's great that they're doing this i just uh you know my my frustration is more like uh, now that it's it's kind of a mess and it, you know they're, they're, yeah it's nice to give people choice but there is that tyranny of choice well, like, there, well, well there's the, right it makes it makes it too bad and i mean i think that all of us maybe feel it more than than others were because we're the ones that people come to for advice right. whether it's professionally as, as an analyst <laughs> Right. Which you know, one should I buy? I like clarity when I'm giving buying advice. Now it's like, I don't know. There's like five different, it's like a Venn diagram with all these different right. overlapping circles of different features and different prices. I, I'm, I'm going to get one for my mom. Um, she has a 2010 um, 13-inch MacBook Pro. So like the the old, you know, unibody, yeah. you know, with, with SuperDrive. And and so it, it, it won't get Mojave. And she has an iPad. She's an iPad person. But there are a few things that she, you know, still uses her, her Big Mac for, as she calls it so i'm gonna get her one and this is perfect for that i'd almost bought her the 12 inch macbook a couple times but i worried about the single port um so i think this is great for that i think this is going to become the de facto laptop for students who they're not able to convince to to go down the macbook route or not macbook uh, ipad route um but uh, you know, it is interesting. I, I, you know, some of the choices they've made do seem distinct, and, and and I'm not opposed to this, but there is a very big gulf in terms of performance and what you can do with, say, the 2018 MacBook Pros with the quad core, you know, eighth gen processors and this device. There's like a very clear, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, 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 gulf. Um, that makes sense to me, and and that that in some ways justifies the higher price of of the of the pro. Where I get confused is just a why the escape is still a thing, and b what does this mean for the the twelve inch product, and and is that just going to get phased out, and is it just going to be the rich executive you know like device that like you have at this point as a status symbol? Because really, there's no reason whatsoever why anybody should spend more money on a 12-inch MacBook over um, a MacBook Air 
especially since the MacBook Air is less expensive, more powerful, and has better, has both more ports, but better ports. Mm -hmm. So. But it's interesting that you say students will get DR because, as Steve said earlier, we'll we'll wait for benchmarks and so forth. Uh, But you know, if you are a student and you're trying to justify your existence to your parents, uh, but you also have in mind that you might be a gamer and you want to be able to have that extra punch in your in your device, you you know, you're going to try all you can to get a pro uh, sure. instead of an air. And and I, I think that's the other part is like, you know, that as gaming goes back to the PC, as we've seen over the past year, year and a half, I think that becomes more of a selling point as well, which maybe the air, you know, given that the price difference is not that great, that people, and maybe that's the plan. I don't know. That was the plan all along. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like the price is still significant enough if you're going to look at, at like the, because, because what the, the, the 13-inch touch bar MacBook Pro, that starts at what, $17.99? Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, yeah, we'd have a touch bar. No, oh, okay, oh, touch we'd bar. touch bar $17.99. So that's, so we're talking a, a, a $600 difference. And, and, you know, I feel like that's significant enough that you might be able to convince your parents or you might be able to use your student loan money or whatever and, 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 <laughs> and get them to, you know, amortize it over, uh, you know, uh, X period of time. Um, but I, I, I don't, but, but I feel like it's kind of, it goes back to again, like, you know, the MacBook, MacBook Pro argument. I remember when I got, when I was in college and I got my, um, 13 inch black, um, MacBook, my Intel MacBook, you know, I would have loved to have had a MacBook Pro that was not in the budget. Um, you know, the, they didn't make a 13 inch back then. It was only 15 inch. And, and I didn't, I was not going to be able to buy that, but I was able to get the black Intel MacBook and, and, and that was great. I think the gaming point is an interesting one, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think Apple has a play there for, for desktop no, gaming. So, you know. All right, we have uh, more to talk about, including some more about Apple's pricing strategies, because that is uh, a, an ongoing theme. But first, I want to tell you about our next sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our great friends at Pingdom. Why are they so great? They're great because they help keep your sites online. And more than that, Pingdom is also helping keep the sites you love on the internet online. It works both ways. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to, and they give you real-time feedback. You know exactly what's going on at all time. Because while the internet is awesome and our server technology is awesome, you know what the problem is? It's computers. Computers break. They break all the time. We love them. They break. They let us down. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month, more than 400,000 outages each day. Doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. In the end, you have to use computers, and computers are unreliable from time to time. And you need alerts about any critical website issues. You want to solve them before your customers get angry at you, even though it was the computer's fault. Pingdom will customize how you're alerted. You choose, depending on the severity of an outage, who gets the ping from Pingdom. They can track and analyze your website's load time so you can see if something is running slow and annoying people. And if you have a site of any size, Pingdom can help you. There's a no-fuss approach to get started. Just uh, give them your website URL. That's it. They take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial. No credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code DOWNLOAD at checkout. You'll get 30% off your first invoice. That's awesome. Thank you to Pingdom. I told you they were great for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. 
Now it's time for the story you might have missed, a story that may have flown under your radar but might be worth mentioning. Starship Technologies, despite the lofty name, is the maker of autonomous six-wheeled robots. They look like coolers with wheels, uh, and they are rolling around (laughs) on the ground, on sidewalks, and pathways, and in uh, crosswalks, or as they call them in England, the zebra crossings, to deliver groceries and food to residences. It's looking to expand what is a uh, small robotic delivery system. They announced that residents of Milton Keynes in England, and also parts of San Francisco, apparently, because San Francisco, uh, can have their deliveries sent to Starship's local sorting facility instead of their homes or offices. And then, when it is convenient, you can request that your packages be delivered via autonomous robot. They can cross streets, wait for pedestrians. They're monitored remotely to protect against theft and vandalism. The little containers lock, and they've got this whole 360-degree camera, machine vision sensor system. It's like a self-driving car that goes on the sidewalk and looks like a cooler. Um, costs about $10 a month, no limit to the number of deliveries. They say they'll hold packages for up to 30 days. So if you want an army of robots to deliver all of your Amazon purchases after you get home, uh, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Set up a video of that, of all the little robots rolling down your sidewalk. Um, why... I don't know. It there it is. Starship technology. So if you're in Milton Keynes, uh, you know, watch out for robots, I guess. Which you don't really want to be in no, the first place. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I it's fascinating because Milton Keynes is kind of renowned to not be a particularly pretty city, um, because it is very the, like the layout is very boring. So it's fascinating that they It's great for that, robots. I think correct. <laughs> Bad for people. Cuz I think it's very easy to plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so the other product announced at Apple's event was the Mac Mini um mm. which has not been an, uh, updated in years and in the last years it, uh, the last update was a feature regression where they took away the 4 core version and people complained about that and then nothing happened for years and years and years but it's back it's the same enclosure but in space gray uh they, it, it's a much higher price but they said that they wanted to create something that was uh, going to be appreciated by professional users and actually you can really spec this thing up if you you start at 799 but it goes up <laughs> from there way up it, it, way it'll up. drive a drive an external 5k display it's got lots and lots of ports it, it you know it's got support for more ram it's got support for a bigger uh ssd inside it doesn't do spinning disc anymore which to which i say hooray it's got the t2 chip in there as the disc controller and the security measures and all of that so it's like which is good because you get the feeling when they engineer a product like this they're also being also saying to themselves this will hold you for five years right <laughs> because yeah this i mean it's, it's interesting this is basically it is the 15-inch MacBook um, Pro, um, but without the screen. Yeah, yeah. Which I is- mean, you know, I mean, which, which I think it, that that to me kind of like made sense of the pricing more is if if you actually look at what chip they're using. I mean, the, the the integrated graphics is a whole other thing. But other than that, I mean, it is a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and then the the most IO friendly of of anything that they have except for the uh the the iMac Pro. Yeah, it's got four uh Thunderbolt 3 USB-C on the back and two USB-A and support for eGPU. So theoretically if you really wanted to blast out uh graphics, you could add an eGPU box and do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen, you excited? Uh, I am. I ordered one. My home server is a a 2011 Mac Mini. Yeah. I got it one doesn't of those. support Mojave and is falling apart, mm-hmm. but the integrated graphics are a bit of a bummer. I, I would have liked to see at least an option on the high end to, to put a real GPU in it. But again, you have Thunderbolt 3, and if you want to spend another $1,200, you can slap an eGPU on your desk. Also, um, you're using this as a server. Let's be real, Stephen. You're, you're using no, this I as a server. I am. I well, am, but Apple... 
in, no, in all everybody, their, honestly, you know. I think everybody's going to. But I think even at the keynote, they positioned it more like that, right? It I was, was going to say, this, this, is, this is the new X-Serve. Because yeah. I think that's, this, this is, this is where it's going. I mean, this is going to be my argument. Like, I know that, like, okay, so we have a, at Azure, we have a service called App Service. And, and it's, um, basically a way to do compiling and other stuff if you use, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Xamarin or whatever. Basically, if you need to, to do tests against or, or, or build your app, you can pay for a compute time and you're, you know, if you don't have a Mac or don't have access to, you know, enough of fleet of them where you can do it in the cloud i'm positive i don't know this definitively but i cannot imagine that that you know that in the the server centers they're using anything other than racks of mac minis you know and 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 i feel like this is what this is if you're listening to us live you're listening to us through a Mac Mini that we have at right. Mac Stadium, which was on stage, <laughs> right. which was fun so i waved at my mac mini server i was like hey buddy <laughs> hey um but it uh, the GPU just it does if you want to use it as a workstation it does mean oh, I you've got you've got to yeah. account for that but yeah overall I think this is exciting you know I don't love that the Core i threes at, at the at the cheap price and I do really want to talk about pricing in a second but it, if Jason you said this so well I think in a Mac stories col- or in a Mac World column of the uh, the Mac Mini is the escape valve it's the it's the Mac that allows users to do weird things yeah and. <laughs> It, by default, that mean or like by definition, that means it's sort of an enthusiast computer, and Apple yeah. is leaning into that with this model. And I think that's great. I think they listen to what people want instead of just saying, "Okay, you know, uh, twenty two hundred years ago when we introduced the Mac Mini, it was for desktop switchers." Those people and dinosaurs, by and, large, and dinosaurs, yeah, and dinosaurs. <laughs> by and large, those people don't exist anymore. They switched right. to notebooks or to iPads. Increasingly, totally true. Yep. Yeah. So instead of getting rid of it, they said, "Oh, well." In the meantime, all these nerdy uses have come up. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just lean into that. I love yeah. that. I really do. I do too. Weirdly, you know, we've been talking about how like this story has kind of been muddled in some ways. Other than the pricing, which you know, I know we're going to get to, which is my really only qualm with this. I feel like the story on the Mac Mini, weirdly, even though it's it's, it's been eighty seven years, <laughs> yeah, it's the it, exactly the Mac Mini is the clearest thing to kind of understand why this exists, who's this for, the updates they've made by and large are exactly what the people who use the Mac Mini are going to be excited about. Would it have been nice to have a GPU? Yeah, but as, but again, you can have eGPU support. I mean, that's an extra price, but but, but that's an option, and you do at least have the I/O to support it, which you know you would not have necessarily been. The the case in the past. The RAM, even though you have to kind of disassemble it yourself, is user upgradable, even if they recommend a professional to do it, which is a, a reverse, um, which is great. Um, you know, it's all SSDs. Like I, I, um, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, Jason, because I know that you hackintoshed a, a, a Nook yeah. to kind of replace your your uh, Mac Mini, and I've been considering doing that myself, just because I think it would be a fun project. Um, and and also, I might want to dual boot um, um, some some Linux stuff on it too. Um, are you going to replace your Nook with with um, a, a tricked out one of the new Mac Minis? No, I'm going to replace it with a base model because I don't need it to be tricked out because it's just my server. It's fine at the base model. The the Hackintosh project that I did, you know, the, the fact is it was behaving strangely and I decided I would do a software update in order to fix that and I couldn't get it to work again and I decommissioned it. I actually went back to my old 2011 Mac Mini wow. um, and that's what's running now, but it will soon be replaced next week by, by a 
new Mac Mini in space gray. It's totally different when it's slightly darker gray. Uh, so you know, I, that that for me, the the Intel Nook was interesting uh, because I wanted to understand kind of like what could a next gen Mac Mini be. But what's what the path Apple chose was to not go down. I thought they would go down the path of saying, "Look what we did! Look how awesome we are! We made an even more mini Mac Mini." And instead, they have gone down the path of we want to embrace pros. We want to embrace uh, the people who are using it for all of these other different tasks that's what we're going to put into this thing rather than we're going to redesign the insides and we're not going to bother with the outside and i'm other than changing the color of the anodized aluminum and i am okay with that it, it is um i've definitely heard and we should probably segue into into pricing here uh people complain about 799 because there are people who view this as the entry into the mac line well, and i that feel was for how them it was positioned yeah I do too. yeah because, that was the 499 it mac that it was the cheapest mac you could ever 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 buy brand new but that i agree like i feel for them but that market is gone yeah i agree that the market's gone and also honestly you know what that market is now it is the ipad it is not the ipad pro it is the redesigned ipad it is yeah, it, yeah. That, that's where apple is going with this all right we'll get more into pricing but first time for our third sponsor this episode of Download also brought to you by ButcherBox, the folks who deliver thoughtfully sourced meat directly to your door. Enjoy healthy grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. Plus, ButcherBox meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. Here's how it works. Each ButcherBox comes with at least 8 to up to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. You can choose from 5 different box types, including a custom box, that's what I've got, where you can choose exactly exactly how much you need and what you and your family will love it's frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum packed biodegradable packaging and shipped for free with dry ice so it'll stay frozen hard frozen after it reaches your doorstep and then you can put it in your freezer and then you can melt the dry ice uh, and uh, make it like you're making a monster movie in your kitchen. It's great. Think of ButcherBox as your neighborhood butcher with their quality beef, chicken, and pork delivered right to your door and the option to choose how often you get deliveries. So if you don't eat huge amounts of meat, you can have a wider spaced delivery schedule and still get your regular supply from ButcherBox. And there are recipes on the website too and videos on a YouTube channel that they've got. So there's so much there. We've been using ButcherBox for the last few months. I got my first box when ButcherBox first became a sponsor, but I have since signed up myself with my own money to get more. They just sent me a note that they got a Thanksgiving deal too, which is pretty good. I'm going to look into that. Turkey and like a tenderloin and all sorts of stuff like that. I use the custom box uh, for my current order because I want to, my family is picky and so I want to pick what we want. Uh, it's all really good. I have a sous vide uh, cooker and that's really great for dealing with thawing the frozen meat or sometimes just cooking the meat there. The meat is really high quality. You can take advantage of this too. $20 off your first box and a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription. Go to butcherbox.com slash download, enter code download at checkout butcherbox.com slash download and code download for free bacon and $20 off your first box. Thank you, ButcherBox, for supporting download and all of Relay FM. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever lost a bet. Uh, well, that's not true. Almost never will you lose a bet uh, if you take the over in any guesses about Apple pricing because that I, yeah. I would say ever but like the original iPad everybody lost that bet because everybody yes. thought that was going to be a thousand dollar tablet and it wasn't but uh, but mostly Apple stuff is more expensive I always say take the absolute maximum price that you want it to be and then add 50 or 100 dollars and then you'll find it so we've got a MacBook Air but it's not 99 it's 11.99 uh, uh, we've got a, a new Mac Mini but it's not 499 or 5 
five ninety nine. It's seven ninety nine. We so we've got iPad Pros that are now powered like laptops, priced like laptops. You know, seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine. It's a thousand dollar. I'll point out your iPhone. 10s also costs 9.99, but you start yeah. the the uh, the uh, the big iPad Pro at that. So definitely feeling on all fronts, including the iPhones, in the last two years, Apple just keeps kind of cranking up the yep. price of all of its products. And I know Stephen wanted to talk about pricing, so Stephen, talk about pricing. It, I have a couple of problems with it, and I, I fully understand that Apple is a publicly traded company, and that those companies are fueled by growth. And when you're Apple size, when you've sold so many iPhones and so many iPads, one clear way for to, to growth is to charge more over time to raise that average selling price. I totally understand that. I'm not saying that Tim Cook should open like a hippie commune and we all live <laughs> together barefoot. I'm not saying that. But the there there I think there are two side effects of this that that bother me as a as a consumer. One is that they are they are pricing people out of their products. You know, people mm-hmm. may be spending more than they should, and that's problematic in a bunch of ways, or people just simply say, I can't afford this yes. anymore, and they go and they go elsewhere. Or that, they won't that, even look at it. Or they, they, it won't right. even be part of the conversation. That That's all bad. Uh, the thing that, that sort of also gets under my skin, though, it's a, it's a little more like feely, you know, touchy-feely, is it's just not a good look for the, the wealthiest company mm-hmm. on planet Earth to charge... 30% more on accessories without really building a strong case for it or, or, or you know, ramping up the, the cost of these machines, sometimes over time, sometimes suddenly, but there's a clear march in that direction. And just like, you know, it, it gives fuel to people who think Apple overcharges and is too expensive. And I, I just, I just don't think it's like politically a move that they can play forever at some point they'll hit the wall either pricing people out of the market or by people just putting their foot down and say no x is not worth what you're asking that hasn't happened in mass yet so they're going to keep doing it but it just it just makes me feel like as a as a user of their products someone who covers them and has for a long time it's like i do remember the days when apple would say hey there's a new laptop here it's twice as fast and the price is the same yeah that's those days are gone those and days I, are gone I, I miss them I, I agree. I've been thinking about this a lot, and my uh, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I've wanted to write something actually kind of about their their pricing things. I agree with you. I understand why they're they're raising prices and, and they can get away with it. My issue, other than the optics, is that it used to be used to be able to make the argument. Okay, you pay more for a Mac. But if you're to compare it spec to spec, pound for pound with the com- with the competition, you're usually going to come out either even or ahead. They just have, you know, higher quality components, higher quality things. They don't have, you know, they're not cutting corners in other ways. So, okay, yeah, you spend $1,800 on a laptop, but if you're to, you know, or, or $1,500 on a laptop, but if you add up what uh, an equivalent Windows machine would cost, it would be the same. The iMac Pro and I think the 5K iMac, um, you can make that argument. Um, it's it's harder on uh, the 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 13-inch um, MacBook Pro with Touch Bar um, because I have uh, something that has better specs. I got a, 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 a Huawei a knockoff you know product that's great build quality for five hundred dollars less. Um, but uh, that that I bought while uh, inebriated. Uh, not a bad uh, not a bad <laughs> drunk purchase. Um, but. But it, but you know, but it, but, it, but you used to be able to make that argument, and you can't anymore. And to me, that's the thing that's concerning: is that if people are, if you're trying, you used to be able to make the argument that 
it was higher quality and it was worth the price. And now I don't know if you can make that. You, you have to kind of accept that the big part of the reason you're paying 30, sometimes 40% more is because of the ecosystem and because of the name. Which I think, I mean, to some extent, they have the right to charge you more sure. for, right? Sure. But the, the question becomes how much. And then the, the question going forward is going to be, I always disagreed violently with people that were saying Apple should decrease prices so that they can expand their market share. Because that's right. not the point, right? Because right. uh, they, especially with iPhones, they don't want to give iPhones to people that can barely afford them and then they're not going to spend any money on the ecosystem, right? Apps and services and so forth. But as Apple gets more into the services side of things, and so, you know, we're waiting for their their video service. We see what they're going to do with news. There are speculations of, a, you know, priced um, options that will come and, and whatever else is coming. They need as many users as they possibly can get, which I think is where the point that Stephen was making about pricing people out gets mm-hmm. even more interesting because it's not just you're losing the sale of the piece of kit, but you're losing the revenue potential on your services side. So I think it's going to be interesting as they play more there to see where, how they adjust this strategy. Because it's not about, you know, obviously an Amazon or a, a Google that might want to keep, although even Google now change their tunes on, especially on the on the phone side, right? Um, but where you know you say you're pricing low because you're going to get money somewhere else, uh, but part of it has to come to it because there's only that much money. I was trying to figure out how much money I give them monthly, and you know I have my two <laughs> terabyte on iCloud, mm-hmm. and I have yep. Apple Music, and then yep. if I'm going to start adding, you know, the the TV service and the the news, how much am I actually giving them? And and I think that. For a lot of consumers, obviously, in that very high end, that's not going to be a problem. But for others, you adding it all up and you're like, okay, I'm spending $1,000 for this thing, plus I'm spending, you know, $60 a month with them. So how much do I actually want to give one brand? Yeah. And, and I think that it should be noted that, you know, 10 years ago, when, when Apple really started kind of making its, 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 its ascent with the iPhone, with the Intel Max, with other things, the landscape of competition was different. And you could justify the higher price, um, uh, e- even without the services piece. And I, I agree with you 100%. That's such a great point by saying, you know, that the competition wasn't as good and you really didn't have options where like, okay, even if you're paying more, A, you're getting more value, but B, like the, what you get is so much better and the ecosystem is so much better. In some ways, I think that's true. And I think the way everything works together is, is certainly the best, you know, integrated strategy. But Windows is good now and Google is really good at services. Google's better at services than Apple is. And a lot of people are really committed to Spotify and don't have any affinity to wanting to use Apple Music and people like Dropbox and, you know, people have other service options too. So it's, you know, it, it's harder like to, to make the argument. I think it's like, okay, when you buy into this world, if you're not already in it, if you're already in it, you're kind of like, like, okay, I'm screwed. I have to continue to, to be in it. But if you're a new entry person, it's, there are more, compa- there are some options that are more compelling than they would have been a decade ago. And, and so when Apple's both more expensive and not necessarily 
better in those ways, I think that's where they might struggle. The other point is that they have more devices than they ever used to have as well, right? So if I'm spending $1,000 on my phone, do I have then the extra 400 to buy a watch or, you know, 200 to buy AirPods? So that's the other part is, you know, and, and to lock people in to that point that you were making, Christina, you need to have more devices. That's always been their strategy. But if all my income gets sucked into one device, then that's not going to happen. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with them taking... There's always this, this factor, right? Where you know that you're most... Never be afraid to ask for more money because your most uh, avid fans who've got a lot of money don't care and will give you as much sure. money as you want because they want the nicest thing that you make. And Apple is in that position. They can make high-end luxury tech products and people will buy them and give them lots of money. So I don't I don't really have a problem with them saying, here's a 10s Max phone that's maxed out and it's a $1,500 smartphone right. or a maxed out iPad or, or a maxed out Mac Mini, whatever. It's like, great. The concept of the escape valve, though, the concept of an entry point, that's the part that also makes me a little uh, nervous. I understand the logic of the Mac Mini at $799. I think the truth is nobody, or, or very, again, not nobody, there's always somebody, but a very small number of people are really uh, being a switcher and replacing their PC with a Mac on a, on a desktop for $499. But the lack of a good, modern, reasonably priced computer, not a cut-rate computer, but a reasonably priced laptop... It, it, and that 1199 MacBook Air isn't it bothers me. Microsoft makes a Surface laptop for 999. It is underpowered. It has mm-hmm. not enough RAM. It yep. is it, you 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 don't want that model. You want the model that costs 1199. But they but, but but they also but they also make a Go. You know a Surface Go. But right. beyond that, there are a million OEMs who make lower cost entryway Windows 10 devices. Microsoft is fortunate that their escape valve is the rest of the Windows PC <laughs> exactly. market, whereas Apple has this tight control, and that so that concerns me. The Apple does make a product, and we mentioned it here, that is a really well-priced entry-level product. It's that $329 iPad. That's yep. a great product, and it's a good a price. Product. But on the Mac, yeah. like, what is it? it it's, is it the $999 non-Retina MacBook Air? I don't no. think so. No, that that's a terrible... If, if, if you buy that in 2018, and that's your introduction to the Mac, that is that 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 is going. You, you're going to be so don't, angry. Don't do it. And on the iPhone, Never. it's the same thing, right? We have known 2018 uh, iPhone model that costs less than the 749 of the iPhone 10R. Uh, when it used to be, there was a 600 ish, 650 ish exactly. phone. Now you and the you know and the SE got discontinued. So you know you can buy an, an old eight or something. On the iPhone, there are options that are lower priced that are still pretty good products. On the Mac, there aren't. On the Mac, Mac, the only low-priced old option is the MacBook Air, and it's not an iPhone 7, right? It's not that kind of quality. It is it is super old tech. So I think this I do think this is an issue for Apple's long-term success. Carolina pointed out as they emphasize uh, services more, you need to get people into your ecosystem so that you can get them to spend money on your services. You need somebody who starts with something small and then ends up when they got more money saying, yes, I will give you all the money now. I don't, you know, not the high end is great, but like where, where are your entry points other than that iPad, especially on the Mac? Maybe the Mac, they don't care anymore about entry points. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to say AirPods, weirdly. I know it doesn't, it, 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 
I, 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 in the watch to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I, I think, I think the watch is the new iPod. Um, and, and I feel like AirPods in some weird way are kind of like this new Halo entry point product where, because you can use them with non Apple things, but they work so much better with Apple things and they're best in right. class. That's a really good entry way of kind of getting people hooked. But I'm with you. There is nothing in the Mac line for newcomers. I wonder if that's by design. I wonder if that's the implicit message that they I are think it unwilling. We closed. We closed the door they're, now. <laughs> they're they're, un, they're unwilling to say it. They're unwilling to get up on stage and say we we don't want new. You know. They went up and said fifty percent of uh, well, they said our buyers are new to Mac. More. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. I know, I know. But, but but they're all coming from China, so you know, to me, that's that's irrelevant. Like, okay, you're getting growth from a market that historically hasn't had desktops and hasn't used your products. Like to me, that that's not like uh, you know the fact that you have to go there. You know, says something. But I but, do think it, that that has maybe more to do with the fact that getting a user on a Mac is not necessarily helping that. Right. Kind of ecosystem story and services stories because that is an iPad or, or an iPhone story, maybe eventually uh, a TV story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the, the big advantage that they have on the phone side, although the cost, I agree, Jason, has gone up to, you know, the 749, is that you feel that way less than yes. you would an iPad or uh, a Mac True. because of the installment payment payments, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and and you don't really think about it that way when you're buying a phone. Um, it's also a necessity. And so, you know, in your head, you justify it that way, right? And, and, and they last a really long time. I mean, I think one of the reasons they've been able to raise the price, um, even on like the entry model, you know, the, 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 the 10R and, and it's not entry model. It's, it's, it's a great device is because people are keeping their phones for three or four years now. So if you look at it from that perspective, like it, it it's not as big of a deal to spend $750 on a phone. And then as you say, installment plans. And then once you have that phone, I honestly feel like iOS is a much more, you know, gets people into the ecosystem than the others because it's much more convenient to use the Apple services than it is to try to, you know, mm. use the other stuff because there are more limitations, you know, like, yes, it's great that, that, you know, the files app finally works with other cloud services, but, you know, your backups go to, um, um, iCloud, you know, your, your, your camera roll by default goes to iCloud. You have these other services. If you want to get, you know, the, the integration with, with Siri, then, you know, using the Apple stuff is going to be, um, uh, better than the other stuff. So that gets you in the door, I think a lot more than the Mac. And I don't necessarily know if they, you know, I, I feel like as much as they pound on about how much they love the Mac, it's like we all kind of know as much as I love the Mac, like that's not the focus. And so maybe the new entry point is just is, is iOS. Uh, by the way, just as a point of reference, the most expensive uh, Surface Pro type cover costs $160. The 12.9 inch uh, smart folio keyboard uh, is two hundred dollars. So every 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 part every product has gotten the price cranked up just a little bit. It's uh, the, the pencil, the, the would, pencil which, did one twenty nine. Yeah, which which that's a thirty percent increase. Like that's not insignificant. I mean, I at all. I mean, it, it, it's even the covers. Like uh, so, they don't even sell like the. I had to get the full body, you know, kit yes. for the iPad Pro, and I was frustrated by that because I really just wanted a cover because I want to show off the the, the gold color. Eighty dollars. Yep. Eighty dollars for, for for a case. I remember when it used to be 40 for the full, you know, cover, you know, like a, you know, nylon, whatever uh, yeah. thing for, 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 for like the iPad yeah. 2, iPad 3, you know, 80 bucks. Yeah. I remember what a comic book cost 25 cents too. But. 
Um, but yeah, there is. And I do have people saying, well, you know, there is inflation. And it's it, like, that's true. There's inflation. There's possible tariffs. There's a trade war. There's lots of reasons for Apple to do this. But I, I just, I don't think that's why they're doing it. I no. think they're doing it because they want to increase average selling price and increase their profit and show growth. Yeah. And people are hanging on to these things for the longest time. That was that's the biggest true. issue that they had on the iPad, right? That that replacement rate, you know, people right. have been holding on to the first generation it, iPad for like four mm-hmm. and a half well, years. I'll, I'll say, um, as somebody who used to get a new computer every couple of years, I've had that iPad Pro from the from when it came out. So it's been three years. And other than the fact that the new models look really amazing, the fact is my three-year-old iPad Pro is fine. It, it, works, it works great. And I think that if you're Apple... You saw this on stage in September at the iPhone event where Apple has started to talk about ha- uh, building things for durability and for value over time for phones. But I think it's true of all their products. Like if the cycle is going to be really long, what you should do is make the products really nice and last a long time and be usable for a long time and charge more for them. Because, you know, you can you can charge a lot less if somebody throws it away after two years, but that's not happening. So charge more. Right. And I think you can make that argument on iOS that 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 definitely works. I think it's harder on the Mac side because the starting price and the lower end tiers, the you know they really cut corners in ways that it feels like they didn't before. Yeah. Um. And and, and they start out you know lower processors, lower specs, lower uh, you know uh, cutting features in ways that didn't happen before. So you have to step up to a certain point if you're like even if you're making the assumption as most people should when you buy a laptop, I'm going to have this for five years. You. You need to do if you're buying the, the the base model MacBook Air, for instance, that is probably not going to be something that in five years is going to continue to kind of keep up the right. way that that right. you know say um, a, a MacBook Air that you bought in, in in 2012 would have. But I tell you one thing: as much as we're complaining about the pricing on the Air. All the PC OEMs out there were rejoicing when they saw the eleven ninety nine price point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, we've been talking about this. So there's a lot, a lot of problems out there for the world's most successful and richest company. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and after we record this, they will release their earnings, <laughs> earnings and it will yes, probably be bananas. And they'll probably forecast for an enormous holiday quarter that they're already having. And uh, yeah, that's so it goes. But we will continue to watch because I do think there's some interesting trends there that may have an impact on apple's business long term um before we go i want to give the fuzzy puppy update uh taco tober is over it is november 1st so no more taco tober we're going to start with some puppies if you live in the dallas fort worth area and you're looking for some extra cash and you really like dogs you might want to consider this the dog friendly restaurant mutt's canine cantina has this i think it's a pr scam but anyway they're looking for what they're calling a pup turn it's like an intern for dogs it is an ad that they posted on instagram that says get Get paid $100 an hour to pet puppies. Good slogan. Great job. Creativity is encouraged. You can apply uh, over the next couple of weeks and become a professional puppy petter at a restaurant. Um, I also have a duck update. This is not the beginning of Duck Vember or something, but it is a duck. Yes. A yes. Du- let's no, do it. Qu- it's Quack not- Vember. No, let's do it. Please. No. But I will say a, a male mandarin duck, which is native to East Asia, has shown up in Central Park in New York. These ducks, <gasps> I didn't leave it there. These ducks are commonly found in China and Japan, are not supposed to be kept as pets in the city. It's unclear where this bird came from. No local zoo has reported losing a duck, but however he got there, he just, uh, he, he, JFK, he got there at J- 
through JFK and then he took the A train. Uh, he is dazzling the city's bird watchers who are keeping up with the bird as he travels from spot to spot in the Big Apple. Um, maybe he was just invited to check out the new iPad Pro. Who knows? Thank you to listener Steve for the duck alert here in the fuzzy puppy update during quack vember i don't know uh yes. <laughs> Stina warren thank you for being here where can people find the stuff that you do um so you can uh, uh listen to my podcast on really fm rockets uh, where we talk about a yeah. uh, uh, tech and and uh, and pop culture and 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 great stuff and uh you can follow uh my musings on uh twitter at film underscore girl and uh you can see the videos that i do at work at a uh, youtube.com slash microsoft developer excellent carolina where can people find your stuff you can find me on Twitter at Cara underscore Milanese. That's M-I-L-A-N-E-S-I. And you can read uh, my column on techpinions.com every Wednesday. And then I'm guest here quite often. Yes, you can listen to her here as well. Uh, Stephen, thank you. Just so excited about the Mac Mini, I couldn't. <laughs> I just Maybe you are the host of the Mac Mini podcast that's devoted entirely to the Mac Mini. No one, no one listens, but it's it's out there. All right, that's it for this episode of Download Lots of Apple this time. But next time, probably not, because Apple's done now, right? They're done, right? Right? Anyway, uh, we will keep watching the headlines and see what else is going on, so you don't have to. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.